The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Raising teens alone can be brutal. It becomes easier when you are co-parenting with the universe. Welcome to Co-Parenting with the Universe. This is Muriel Falous, your host, and today I have a guest. I just want to mention that we are talking a lot about parenting, being a mother, and what Monica has in store for you is very connected to childhood trauma, etc., etc. So it's going to be one that you won't want to miss. So my guest is Monica Evans. She's a clinical EFT practitioner and mentor on EFT Universe who has been studying energy healing for 20 years. She started with Reiki, followed by acupressure. And while while she loved them both, she felt that something was missing. And despite her knowledge and tools, she still had the same anxious and fear-based reactions running her life. And she couldn't understand why. She was a competent, independent woman, after all, and she was also a relentless people pleaser who kept choosing partners and bosses who didn't value her. And it wasn't until she discovered emotional freedom technique, EFT, also known as tapping, that everything clicked. So welcome, Monica. How are you today? Thank you, Muriel. I am very well. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm terrific. Yeah. Uh, so I give a little bit of info about what you're doing, but um, what I would love to know is your more like a personal story of how you ended up to connect with tapping and to become a, practic- a practitioner and even a mentor. Okay. Um, the story is, is, the way I actually found tapping and what got me to get certified um, are are different. Both are trauma related, just in a, a different way. Um, I had been tapping for a number of years. I think I started tapping back in 2017 um, as a result of a string of bad relationships where I kept choosing avoidant men. Um, which really activated my nervous system to the point that I, I believe I was almost in full-blown OCD by the time I found tapping. Um, and so I started working with a practitioner. I knew it worked. I was also working with a therapist. So I was, you know, in, in harmony with both of those things. Um, but the certification started because of a trauma that I, I had experienced um, with my dog. So it, wow. Yeah. Um, so in 2020, I was walking my, I have an eight pound dog and he was attacked by an 80 pound dog. Oh, and I literally saw him in the mouth of this dog and I went into, all of you moms will understand this. I went into superwoman mode and I literally ripped my dog. I pried this dog's jaws open and released my dog and saved his life. And we went, you know, he was fine. We went to the vets, Um, but I wasn't fine yeah talk about trauma and adrenaline well mm -hmm. yeah so he got his checkup he was fine and that I just remember that night feeding him dinner and he was just acting normal and I was I wasn't normal I could barely feed myself I couldn't get out of bed I spent 48 hours in bed and then I did yoga like two days after this, this incident. And I went into a twist and I just started crying, like bawling. And I knew at that moment, the only thing that would clear this trauma is somatic work. And I knew that tapping would do it. 
and it happened to correspond with, uh, you know, at EFT Universe, they do, they open up for, um, they call them cohorts, they open up their cohorts twice a year. And it was the same week that one was closing. And I had been considering it. And it was just like, was time. this is it. I, I just knew that was the only thing that would actually clear this trauma from my body. So yeah. that was how I ended up signing up to get certified. Isn't it funny how when it's time, you just know it in your body again, because the body is like an antenna and it carries so much wisdom too. You just know. And the universe would make it like really like the last week of the, the program when you, when you could yeah. register. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, the timing was pretty amazing. I mean, the trauma was definitely not fun at all, but you know, it led me to my path. So, I we usually learn with kicks in the rear. <laughs> I know. We learn. Unfortunately, <laughs> I would love if it was different, but that's how <laughs> I've learned too. I mean, it's uh, it's um, it's almost like an initiation. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. so that was your initiation, and yeah. so you said you were doing tapping prior mm -hmm. to that story with a practitioner. So was it also clinical tapping, or was it like regular tapping? It was not clinical EFT, and that is a it's a huge difference. You know it it was enough that it got me to realize that there, there was wounding. Um, there wasn't a lot of acceptance of myself. Uh, and it, it led me to, you know, I have a lot of mother wounds and I also had some emotional abuse from my older brother. So there was a lot of dysfunction in my family. So I, I got a whiff of what was going on, but it wasn't until clinical EFT where we go into the, the specific details, which you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's You've heard almost... me say it over and over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's so different. It's way more, it's deeper. It's very organized. There are processes. Mm -hmm. And if there, there are so many studies about it. I think nowadays it's like almost 300 studies, medical mm -hmm. studies about uh, the effectiveness of tapping, uh, yeah. clinical EFT. And um, that's why it's so potent because you have almost like recipes. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's almost like cooking sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's so much more on the exposure, you know, the Clinical EFT is is heavy on exposure, and it it really makes a difference to go into each one of those events um, versus just the general tapping, yeah. which is what I was and really doing before. What I didn't know prior to studying clinical EFT is that sometimes you tap on an event and you think you're done with that issue and that pattern mm -hmm. but it's and it's it's called a tabletop because you have an issue and you have so many events and it's sometimes mm -hmm. way more than four feet yeah. <laughs> on that table <laughs> and I never realized that because I used tapping before too and I, I could solve so many things I but when you do clinical tapping I mean, I had experiences with myself, tapping on myself where I saw myself in an incubator and I could feel mm. because the, the baby is not analyzing like we do. I could right. feel, it was very strange. I could feel the conclusion, the beliefs that I installed as a baby at that time. Wow. And it was, so, I, I was bawling first of all, mm. and it was so precise. And with tapping, the complete the image changed completely. To I knew I had a shift because it was in colors at the end. I had a pacifier in my mouth, which means I was tranquil. I was quiet and feeling safe. And that I don't think you can. Maybe you can access it without knowing clinical tapping, but 
it's very dangerous, in fact, that's also what I didn't know before, to mm -hmm. address trauma mm -hmm. without having the proper tools, you can re-traumatize yourself. So I would love if right. you could share uh, a little bit about your experience with that and your clients maybe. With trauma? And with the fact, traumatizing. Uh, uh, yeah, with the fact that we can re-traumatize ourselves and, um, mm -hmm. and that we maybe shouldn't approach certain yeah. events yeah. without having a practitioner and without having someone who's Yeah, so the big thing with trauma is um, a lot of the time pe people have experienced this you know, even say if you're you're talking to someone about a certain trauma and you see how you get reactivated in your body, um, but you don't necessarily have an exit point for that. So that's kind of the way I see the the re-traumatization is that you're you're bringing all this stuff up, but you don't have the tools to either remove it from the body or safely go through it. So. What EFT has is we have our techniques for trauma, um, which if we enter into a situation where somebody is getting too activated, there's a way to actually step back and safely approach the situation. This is where we sort of go in the opposite direction of what clinical EFT and the specificity is about. And this is where we pull back and, and get very general and ask them not even to think about what uh, you know what the troubling event is. But interestingly, what is happening, it's I, I think of it like the pink elephant. They know it's in the room, but we're not talking about it. We're not thinking about it. We're just, you know, over here keeping them safe. And somehow the brain processes that way. Um, but what you don't want is someone who doesn't have the experience that thinks, oh, exposure is the only way. And then they keep going into these details. You know, I hear Worcester first, and that isn't safe with trauma. Worcester first would, you know, make them become too overwhelmed. And when you are overwhelmed, your nervous system doesn't have the ability to process anyway. Yeah. Um, it, it has to be in, in w enough within the window of tolerance that it can process, so. And uh, so you talked about becoming OCD. Mm -hmm. um, is there a link? So, so you became OCD after a relationship? I, I, um, I'm, so it's, I'm a little, it's a little complicated. <laughs> Um, so, um, let me see. I've always had anxious tendencies. I didn't know about that. Um, I really experienced them in my early twenties when I was going to college in Los Angeles. So I was raised on a farm and going into the city environment just did not work for my oh. nervous system. Yeah. And overwhelming. It was so overwhelming because it wasn't safe. So as a, a female walking at night alone, I couldn't do that. And I come from, you know, a town where you don't lock your doors. So my nervous system just did not sync up with that. Um, that, you know, fast forward 20 years, I moved to Lake Tahoe. I live in a safe environment. I had really big dogs. So I didn't actually remember how prone I was to anxiety until it was triggered. And I think that's a really interesting thing to note about the nervous system is it's not always up. Sometimes our stuff is buried until something triggers it and it does seem to kind of come out of the blue. Um, so what, what started my process was back in 2013, my, I had a, a number of dogs, but I, I had my last dog passed away and he was very old. He was 14. All of my energy had been channeled into taking care of him. And when he passed, 
all of that energy that I focused on him became internally focused. And so all of a sudden (laughs) I was having, um, you know, hypochondria kind of things. And then the germs started to bother me. And where I always said I had, I always said I had functional OCD tendencies. I think most of us have some tendencies towards towards compulsive behaviors, depends on if it's cleaning or for me, it was like safety, you know, of checking the heater, checking the stove because my dog was in the house. Um, But when that dog passed, all of this energy that used to focus on him had nowhere to go. And that, um, like I said, it became kind of internally focused. So I, I did notice that change. And then in 2017, so, you know, it was building, but subtly when I started dating the string of avoidant men, that is when it, my attachment system, I don't know, are you familiar with, um, attachment theory? Yes. Yeah. So maybe the the audience is not, so if you can just explain it really quick. Okay. So attachment theory is, um, there's, there's four styles, but three of them are, are the most well-known secure would be the ideal where you have had, you know, the proper amount of nurturing, you know, your needs are going to be met when you cry. Uh, your mother is attentive. Um, the attachment style tends to be developed in the first year of life. Yeah. And then the two insecure attachment styles are avoidant and anxious. And the avoidant child tried to get their needs met. They cried. They did all the things that babies do, but the mother was not responsive or the caregiver was not responsive. So they decided it's not even worth it. It's just frustrating to have needs. So they shut down. The anxious child goes in the other direction and tries harder and becomes more clinging. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so those, that's kind of a, a very, very basic overview. But the big thing to know about attachment theory is it is a survival response. Yeah. It, um, so when I started, I, I identify the most with being avoidant. Um, but when I started dating avoidance, suddenly my attachment system became anxious and combine that with the already, uh, brewing anxiety, if you will, uh, it just, it, it became too, too much. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm not formally diagnosed. I will say that I do have two friends who are psychiatrists and they agreed with my theory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then then that, you know, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Um, But it, yeah, my nervous system was just so on high alert all the time that the germophobia is mostly how mine presented. Um, It, it just became overwhelming and it's just a form. The thing I really want to say about it is it's just an exacerbated form of anxiety. Yes. Um, it's a, you know, trying to control things so that I'll feel safe. Um, OCD has a lot to do with control. If I can keep everything in this way, then I'll feel safe. But, you know, it's, it boils yeah. down to not feeling safe. I have a daughter, my oldest daughter, um, she suffers from anxiety and she works, she works with it now, but she would, I remember uh, I, I, I was a single mom. So there was a lot of, you know, there are issues and there were issues with the father. And when she didn't feel safe, Mm -hmm. she would clean at 10 o'clock in the evening. She, she would go into a frenzy Mm -hmm. because she couldn't go to sleep unless Mm -hmm. she could regain some illusion of control on mm-hmm. her life. So I, I'm familiar with that. 
and and that's why we are the audience are moms mostly and uh, that can also give them an indication that if they see behaviors like that to know to pay attention and dig and see or at least know that their kids is suffering from anxiety mm -hmm. and that there is something that can be done yeah uh, you mentioned um i've read in your um other intro that you were having some childhood trauma but you didn't necessarily because sometimes when we think about trauma i know that before studying about trauma i thought that you had been to have it had to have uh, something ter terrible could have happened something like mm -hmm. a rape somebody wanted to kill you a war but in fact that's not the case at all and we are most of us are traumatized because it's just a question of not being equipped to deal with what's going on. And there are several aspects, but I won't go into that. And sometimes the kids are traumatized by something that is happening that looks quote unquote normal, mm -hmm. but is still creating trauma. So how did it look for you? Yeah. So one really important thing to note is perceived threat to your physical survival is one of the big elements of trauma. It doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean your life necessarily was in danger. Um, and I'll use one example. Actually, in this case, my life may have been in danger, but I was left alone at a very young age, four years old. Um, oh. I'm not sure the circumstances, but my grandma told me this story over and over. And because she's the one who came and picked me up, someone had called her and said, come get Monica. And she picked me up and she said that I was alone. Now, what's interesting is I had no attachment to that story whatsoever. Um, but I explored it like you with the incubator in, a, in a, an EFT session and it finally all made sense because what my grandma said I did is she said, come on, you're going with me. And instead of packing like stuffed animals, she said, go get your things. I packed a plate, silverware, and I grabbed all the fruit off of the table. And she wow. said, honey, I, I have, we have food at grandma's house and you know, when she was telling me the story, I had no connection to it. But when I went into it in an EFT session, I tapped into terror, like literal terror. And that is why I responded that way as a survival response. So it's just really important to note that big T trauma doesn't always look like an accident. Yeah. You know, it is the perceived threat to your survival and to a four-year-old to be left alone, whether it was 30 minutes or an hour, there's no concept of time. And when that adult showed up, I was in a absolute survival response. And, um, and it, sometimes it's not even about us because I was traumatized um, for people, people are usually on the podcast, they know my story, but I had kids who were very experimental with all kinds of stuff. And mm -hmm. I was waking up in panic every night because I was afraid they would, found, they would be found dead at a party mm -hmm. or in the street mm -hmm. because they would have burned their brain. And I was traumatized because it was their survival, but as a mother, mm -hmm. Mm. I was traumatized over and over and over every night to a point where it actually affected my heart. And it's so, so for mothers, it can also be about your kids. If there is something that you perceive as a threat for their survival, and that is so overwhelming and so unexpected and that you cannot... Um, oh shoot, I have the word, you cannot process mm -hmm. emotionally, you will be traumatized and it's not even you. Yeah, and it's important to note, and this is a little out there what I'm gonna say, uh, 
but as a mother, you share an aura with your child. So, and that's the only appropriate person to share your energy with, right? We take on a lot of people's energy, but literally your children are connected to you. So yes, you're a hundred percent right that that their trauma is your trauma until they are adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's a good point about the energy because um, I, I always tell my uh, audience and my clients that sometimes you cannot do anything because we're talking about teenagers being mm-hmm. yeah. know, teenagers and being out of control. And sometimes they won't be receptive to what you want to give them, but you can always send them energy and that mm-hmm. will have an effect. Uh, I've used that with my kids over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So that's a good that's, point. That's where I love Reiki because you can send Reiki long distance. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. So, um, I can continue if you wanted yes. about the yes. um, the more subtle forms of trauma because yes. that story I told was not necessarily one of the subtle ones. But um, so in my experience and. I want to just preface this story with permission to say everybody's doing the best that they can. And parents do not have to. um, I think I learned this from Gabor Mate, but really about 33% of the time to be really on your game is is all it takes. But, But what most people are not doing is repairing the ruptures. The ruptures are a part of of life. It's a part of parenting. It's a part of how we learn to communicate and be in relationship with others. It's actually a good thing to have a rupture because it teaches your child, we can have a rupture and then we can repair that rupture and our relationship becomes stronger. But unfortunately, yeah. I don't know that they knew this a while ago. <laughs> and it seems, I don't think they did. <laughs> it seems to be more common to be talking about this today. Um, and the reason I say that is I don't want anybody to think, oh my gosh, I wasn't a perfect parent. No one is perfect. We all bring our trauma to the table. Um, yeah. And if, if you're an avoidant and connection is, is literally a threat, to your, your nervous system identifies that as, as a threat to your survival. So you can't fault yourself if your reaction is to shut down. It's just part of how you're wired, but we can repair these ruptures. We can yeah. start to be conscious. And um, so in my particular story, my parents divorced when I was three my brother, I believe, I don't have any facts, nobody admits this, but uh, they, my brother was five and I was three and they separated the children because we fought so much. That was the story. So my dad took my brother, my mom took me. Oh, wow. Upon further figuring as an adult, I realized I was probably being abused because a three-year-old girl is not going to be starting fights with a five-year-old boy. Yeah. Likely he was picking on me. I cried a lot. I didn't feel safe. My mom is a highly sensitive person. I am also an empath. A lot of my clients are empaths. She did not realize um, my cries were like nails on a chalkboard to her. So I was asking for help. I was crying. I was tattling and I was being punished for asking for help because it was so triggering for her. Um, So if you look at that, my lifeline, my mother was literally repelled by my attempt to get help feel safe and regulate. So that sets me up for some big issues yeah. as an adult because one nobody, you know, nobody's there 
helping me. They're kind of, I'm on my own. I have to figure this out by myself. That's one of the other uh, conditions of trauma is this isolation. Your expectations are violated. You don't, I'm expecting that my mom is going to help me. And instead she's upset with me because I'm crying. So, you know, my nervous system from a very young age was wired that my needs don't matter. I'm a bother um, and nobody's gonna help me. So, you know, it, and all of that comes, that's not on the surface. Nobody admitted those things happened. It's just the, the amazing thing with tapping is you start to connect your story. You start to make sense of your story. Um, and so I had a lot of self-loathing before I started tapping because I did believe all those things. I was a nuisance. I was too much. Something was definitely wrong with me. If your own mother is repelled by you. Right. So, and that's all very, that's all very subtle and it's very confusing until you can start. Um, That's one of the things I do is help clients kind of make their story make sense. Why would you feel this way? Um, You know, and, and, and it's, it's, I mean, there is no perfect family. So we all have stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my story as a baby, I started tapping on weight loss. I wasn't aiming for that at all. I was mm-hmm. aiming for where were the events that convinced my unconscious mind that it was safer to be overweight rather than mm-hmm. losing the weight because I, there were times yeah. in my life when I was way thinner. And that picture came up mm-hmm. and I, I had worked on my fear of abandonment in the past, maybe 13 years earlier, was tapping by myself. And that picture of me as a baby in the, the incubator come up. So of course I felt abandoned because mm-hmm. I was alone. Yep. But this time it was even more vivid and I could see what was in the room. I could know that one, I knew I was alone, so because my mom, I had to be there two and a half months, and at the time they didn't let the mom touch the baby, mm-hmm. so I was not touched by my mom for two and a half months. Wow! So when I decided that there was no one around, I better count on myself all my life, and I ended up single yep. mother and doing everything by myself. Help, mm-hmm. asking for help was an issue for me until a few years ago because I didn't know. I didn't believe there would be help. And like right. you mentioned, I felt uh, as a baby, I probably felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. So my attachment style was always also um, affected. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, I didn't even know that I was two and a half months in the incubator. After mm-hmm. that experience, I called my mom and I said, how long did I stay there? She said, well, two and a half months. I was like, no wonder this wow. would come up. Yeah, and that's the magical, the magic aspect. It's not magic at all. It's the brain, but that's what's so potent mm-hmm. with tapping, and that's why I want moms who are listening want to know. Like you said, we can repair, and it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Even if you do the work as an adult, and your kids are, you're an adult, your kid who is now an adult, or you do the work late, and your kids are already teens maybe ready to get out of the house you mm-hmm. can still um yeah. do something good for them and for you it's yeah. uh it's it's beautiful what can happen mm-hmm. do you have maybe some story a, a story to give hope to moms that it's not too late or things are repairable an example for for you yeah. or for, from you or from your clients? Yeah, so most of the work I do is with um, repairing the rupture for yourself. So not yeah. necessarily, I don't necessarily work a lot with moms and, and children. I work with adults who, like myself, 
yeah. ended up in their, you know, I discovered it in my 40s. But their kids are going to become adults. Yeah. And even if they made mistakes, their kids can still heal. Yeah. Their kids can still heal. They can do the work, um, especially if you have young kids now or even, you know, middle middle grade kids, any any age, the work that you do as a parent that you're going to repair your uh, your own trauma is going to just translate into the relationships that you have with your children because you're not going to be, you know, moving into that avoidant space, that shutdown space um, where you aren't available for them. So the work I, I tend to do is, you know, a woman like myself doesn't have to be a woman, but I work with mostly yeah. women. Um, you know, coming in like the story that I have sorted for, for myself, it has totally transformed my relationship with my parents. Um, I, both my parents are still alive and I do have a little too enmeshed relationship with both of them. Um, but what, what it did was it allowed me to set boundaries because my entire life was kind of like groveling people pleasing, trying to be perfect, trying to be the good child. And I will say this work is messy. I mean, it took yeah. the, the first layer of it was me setting boundaries with them and me realizing I wasn't crazy. This stuff happened. It's just that I was rocking this really dysfunctional boat that nobody yes. wanted to have be addressed. And you know, through the work now, I have a much healthier relationship with both of my parents. And that's because I have more uh, confidence in myself. And, and I, I know that my story is, is true. I know that, you know, part of emotional abuse or neglect comes with with gaslighting for lack yes. of a better word, because they're saying, oh no, everything was fine. You had all your needs met. And I was saying, no, something is wrong. Um, so I don't know that that really answered your no, question. It, it does, it <laughs> does. And, and it's also, it's beautiful because acknowledging what happened doesn't mean that you put a judgment on it. You just acknowledge the facts and you can heal and repair a relationship mm -hmm. without blaming and without pointing a finger. And that's the beauty, the beauty of it. So even if we make mistakes as parents, first of all, like you said, only we need to be right or it's not right, but we need to be great parents only 33% of the time. And, and I'm also reading this book now. Uh, Gabor Mate because it's amazing yeah. and I'll share that with the audience in another other episode and and it will ripple everywhere in their life even if you made mistakes even if you were wrong and that's not the right word but let's say you were mm -hmm. wrong 70 wait 77 percent of the no 67 67 <laughs> <laughs> not doing good math here it's 67 percent okay. of the math of the time there is still they're still going to be okay and there mm -hmm. is there are so many yeah. tools yeah and again repair is teaching because in my experience and i'm still learning repair I used to like a little tiny fight, any little rupture was the end of the world because in my family, it was, yeah. and it took, I didn't learn it through my family. I learned it through certain friendships that you can fight and then you can still love each other and you can have an issue and you can take a time out and you can still love each other. And that was news to me. I, I mean, in my world, a conflict was the end of the world. It was over. You may as well never speak again. And that is completely unhealthy. Um, so part of rupture repair is that it's totally natural. You're not going to agree with 
everybody, every human is a strong-willed individual person, but communication and rupture repair is the important part. Um, and I would just like to kind of go back to what I was saying about my mom being a highly sensitive person because of the, the level of work and the compassion that is cultivated through the work of EFT, I, ha I had to do the trauma work. Trust me, I was angry. Um, yeah. And sometimes I still am, because like you said, <clears throat> there's many layers. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. But when I first realized, oh my gosh, my mom was punishing me when I was crying and asking for help, she was defending my, essentially, my brother who was likely harming me. Um, she was, you know, you're on your own, take care of yourself. And I had no way of defending myself. Yes, I was super angry. I had a lot of trauma to work through, but then, as you process that trauma, then the story makes sense. I have a mother who is an empathic, highly sensitive person who never knew that, who never tuned into her gifts, who never had the luxury that I have of this energy work and understanding uh, a lot more of who I am and what a gift it is to be highly sensitive and empathic. It, it has made the journey with EFT so much more potent to be yeah. as sensitive as I am. Um, but I can now look at her and say, she was her nurse. She was dysregulated. My yes. cries literally dysregulated her. So how was she supposed to regulate me with no tools and no, no way of, of, obtaining her regulation before she's trying to give it to her child. So the, the work, you know, it's not about blame. It's about understanding your story and repairing what wasn't repaired for you as a child. Was it her that repaired it? No, she still doesn't have the capacity to hold space for me, but it doesn't require her it requires, you know, my commitment and my ability to, to repair. So the work I do is essentially tuning into that three-year-old Monica and having 48-year-old Monica come in and hold space yeah. and say, I, you know, oh, honey, I know you're scared. Oh, that was hard. That was really terrible. But you really legitimately can if, if I can repair a rupture of my three-year-old child at 48 years old, it means you can, you can really do this for any age. Um, and like we said, if your children are still at home doing this work to repair your trauma, what needs were not met for you as a child, then frees up all of this space for you to hold it for your own children. Completely, because um, I always say, don't bleed your wounds on your kids. Once you heal the wound, there is nothing else to bleed on. And um, right. that's beautiful that you can do that at any stage, at any mm -hmm. age. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking, I was thinking, because you say you're an empath, and I was thinking about your mother, because I know that when I, mostly when I'm coaching, I notice that, that I can feel what people feel. So her hearing you cry, she was probably feeling so uncomfortable in her own body that mm -hmm. she wanted to avoid that. Mm -hmm. And um, with more understanding and tapping and, and mm -hmm. really calming all that, then you can have a beautiful dance that is different between two people than the one you were dancing before because you don't engage in the same way. And uh, yeah. And, and keep in mind, too, that em empathy is not always feeling other people's feelings, but it's sensitivity to the sound could be grating. Yeah. You know, some people are sensitive to light, to sound. So it, you know, the, the bottom line is 
whatever my response was, was dysregulating her nervous system. So she had no capacity to hold space in a dysregulated state. That's so true. That's another big thing for mothers is to, you cannot be expected to regulate someone else if you're dysregulated. So if you learn these tools, and I, I will say my favorite thing about EFT, as much as like you were saying, going through a big trauma, a practitioner is your guide and they can hold space and help you. But once you know how to tap, if you know you're dysregulated, you can bring yourself into harmony pretty, at least a lot more quickly than you used to be able to. Yeah. And then you can hold space from that regulated position. And because you were talking about sound, and I know for me, sound is a big, big, big trigger. There yeah. are sounds that my nervous system will be like that yeah. in seconds, and I'm ready to clear. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's true. And, and there's a thing called neuroception, which is essentially nervous system to nervous system communication. So when you are able to regulate, your dysregulated child will pick up they're not spoken signals, but it's literally nervous system to nervous system that they can regulate from you being regulated. Oh, yeah. Especially so. with children, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can people find you or find out more about you or contact you? Um, so I have a website. It's called peaceloveandtapping.com. Uh, you can email me at monica at peaceloveandtapping.com. And I am on Instagram at Peace Love and Tapping. So oh, that's I didn't the know you were on Yeah, I'm gonna connect to your Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and uh, don't be afraid to contact or connect with Monica. I'm sure, knowing uh, based on what I could get from you, and and today you're not someone who's gonna pressure anybody. So mm-hmm. for people to not be intimidated by contacting you and asking questions or whatever they would like to talk to you about. Yeah, um, I'm always open. I I do complimentary consultations on my site if you're interested in the work. Um, I, you know, the, the, the disclaimer is it is deep work. Yeah. A A lot of people advertise EFT as, oh, it's a stress relieving tool. And, and my work is it's deep work, but it, it is, it's life-changing. It's life-changing it work. And once the, the way I, I like to think of EST is that it's literally changing your set points. So I still have anxiety. I Am I going to ever be completely rid of it? I don't have to be. I, yeah. I have gone from what felt like a life-threatening situation to mild annoyances. I can live with that. It's totally fine. You know, so it is, it is deep work, um, but it, it transforms you at your very core and And it is amazing. When you look at uh, the spiritual side of it, first of all, you desensitize your trigger. So like you said, it's not uh, such a big, big, big uh, disturbance. And from the spiritual side of it, we came with some buttons to, be pushed (laughs) there is a reason for that too we all have our path so get getting rid of stuff is not necessarily the thing to do (laughs) yeah um do do you do i have a moment to expand on the spiritual okay of course so i work with a woman um she's a a reiki master and she actually reads your guardian angel introduces you to it and she's said a big part of you know the reason I needed to incarnate into that that complete sense of shutdown was so I could expand full like I needed the journey of thinking it wasn't safe and finding my way so do do trust like like what you just said Muriel that we came here with lessons to learn and you know sometimes it it's a little harsh but 
you know, but it all. There is a gift under it for us and for others. Yeah, and and I will say with my work, the reason I think I relate so well to the inner child is because I tried for years. I didn't really. I like I hated that word inner child, and it was so annoying to me. And that's because I did not have any compassion for my inner child. Okay. Yeah. And I literally took that entire journey from self-loathing to self-compassion and understanding my story and then cultivating compassion for my family because they didn't have the, they don't have the tools that I have. They don't have the awareness that I have. They didn't have the ability to hold space or take the journey that I did. Um, so it's just, you know, it's really, I didn't read the book about how to do it. I did it. Oh, yeah. I found my way. And so it, it, you know, gives me an a, ability to hold space for others. So that is part of the journey. I, I needed, I needed my past to get to my present. That's the beauty of it. Oh, that's a beautiful sentence. I needed my past to get to the present. <laughs> it's a beautiful quote. Thank you, Monica, for having been with, with us today. Uh, I loved our conversation and I'm sure a lot of moms will benefit from it. And for people, again, we're gonna repeat your, your website is, I, I don't have my glasses, peace, love, and tapping. Dot com. Com. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. So I'll see you next week or I'll be talking to you on audio next week with another topic. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify or any other platform of your choice. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.